welcome to another episode of the Cambridge Endurance Sports Podcast. Yes, normal service is resumed and there's plenty more episodes lined up for your delectation. Anyway, today I chat with John Morley. It's a great chat about our relationship with running and how it can be something very addictive, but also very enjoyable and very fulfilling. And we talk about his return to racing. It's great to have some races again. And I certainly want to include more race reports, both in running and in cycling. And of course, triathlon and rowing as well. In fact, any endurance sport, as the title of this podcast suggests. And on that topic, I spoke to Jonathan Escalante Phillips today. He's still got our top rated episode on this podcast. He's the winner of last year's Cambridge Half Marathon, of course. And he has informed me of a few things. The first being that former guest Kieran Wood has announced that he is retiring from competitive running. Now, uh, I'm sure if he chooses to return to running at whatever point in the future, it won't take him long to reach the top again. But whatever his choices are, we wish him all the best. He's a fantastic runner and he was a great guest. And uh, I really hope that... He enjoys whatever direction his life now takes. Uh, even more recently today, Jack Gray, who many of you will know, and Norman Shreve ran a 10K, the Speedway 10K. Apparently, Jack had a bit of a tumble halfway after going through 5K in about 14.35. He did get up and eventually finished in 30.29, I hear, but 11 seconds ahead of him was Norman Shreve in 30.18, so some really fast times there. Jonathan himself, he'll be running on Wednesday to the track in Cambridge. There's a university organised meet there. And in fact, my guest today, John Morley, will also be there. He'll be running in the 3,000, whereas I think Jonathan's doing the 1,500. Rather a short distance for him, perhaps, but it'll be interesting to see what he can knock out there. Okay, so please, please, please do send in any race reports or results in whatever format you like, and I'd be more than happy to include them. But with no further ado, here's John Morley. Okay, well, I'm here with John Morley on this fine Sunday afternoon. It's the beginning of May. Lockdown is sort of over, or it's hopefully going that way, so much so that uh, you've even managed to get a proper race in, John. Is that right? Yeah, I know. And it, and it really was uh, a bit like that. It was it was a surprise. I mean, it was probably over 12 months since I've managed to race. And, um, yeah, you just got to take the opportunities at the moment. So I'd, I'd entered this race at Snetterton, so Snetterton Racetrack towards Norwich mm-hmm. a, a long time ago. And, um, yeah, that was Wednesday evening. And I'd just forgotten how, how rusty I was with mm-hmm. the whole preparation thing and just silly things. You know, you're driving there. It takes an hour and a bit to get there. Um, there was a traffic jam on the A14, so I had to kind of do a massive detour around that, which is not not what you need. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, got there, and it was it was bloody windy, I and mean, it was not the day for it. But um, but you made the start on time, did you? Because if I'd have had those sort of things now, I mean, I used to be a good boy and arrive at places early many, many, many years ago, but for the last 20-odd years, I've always <laughs> timed it to get there about 10 minutes before the start, so that would have done me in. But So you're obviously getting your preparation sort of right. Did you have a 
pre-race porridge and a, at the right time and all that what what, what was yeah, your well, routine that was the other thing it was um the race was 10 to 7 in the evening so of course you've got all day haven't you to think about it worry about it um and yeah. then sort of 4 p.m comes along and you think hang on a minute maybe i should eat something so yeah. um <laughs> i had some toast <laughs> left in plenty of time uh, got got to the racetrack so yeah in, in plenty of time in the end to, did, to do my normal crazy stretching and did do you believe in doing um a little jog in the, on the morning of a race if you have an evening race i'd always try and do a little jog in the morning would you do that or not do you know what i did yeah i did i'd actually done a fairly epic taper for it um yeah. so i'd actually had almost three days off which uh, I, i'd never normally do but i thought I'm going to have fresh legs. I, I don't know when the next race is coming. I'm going to have fresh legs. So I, mm. I rested. Um, but yeah, by, by Wednesday morning, I was getting itchy. I thought I better remind myself how to run. And so I went out, just literally did a mile, probably no more than that. Um, and, and yeah, just to wake the legs up. Um, and, then, and then I was kind of ready for the evening. So yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I did. Brilliant, brilliant. So when you got there, was it? did it feel like a proper race? Was it very different to a normal race? How, how sort of evident were covid restrictions if anything yeah it was it was evident there was a lot of people there i mean i think at one point i heard the announcer say we've got 700 people here today mm. um there was a 10k there was a 5k there was a wheelchair race um, but it's it's an enormous venue so it didn't feel crowded um but yeah i mean people were just heads down masks on Nobody was really talking to each other, trying to stay away from each other. And then it's a, a massive wide open circuit that you're running on. So um, I did have people to run with, but I never I never felt like there was anybody on top of me. Um, was it a mass so, start yeah, or was it, it, was it a mass start or was it stage, staged? It was staged. So they set the fastest runners off first um, and then it's all chip timing. So, of course, hmm. it didn't really matter where you were starting, um, but there was probably... 20 of us that went off first in, in a group um, and then they were setting the others off so it was, it was well organised and, and really enjoyed it so it was, uh, yeah, it was it was good good to be back racing put it that way uh, it was a 5k of course so was that a couple of laps was it or one lap one. so one complete lap of the Snetterton race circuit which I, I've never been to before um, but actually it was it was a nice surface it wasn't it wasn't kind of rock hard concrete it seemed to have a bit of a, a spring in it um, hmm. So yeah, you know, set off. Um, I mean, I was desperately trying to get as close to 17 minutes as I possibly could. I, I looked at the wind and thought maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a bit optimistic. But um, I kind of went for it. Um, hang on as, as much as I could. Uh, I think I crossed the line in 17:40. Yeah. So I was I was pretty pleased with that. I mean, it was a, a massive PB actually, which you, you know what it's like. You finish the race, you beat yourself up. Should have done better. Should have done this. Should have done that. Um, and then actually I reminded myself, even when I was 20, I couldn't run that time for, for 5k. So, um, driving home, I managed to tell myself to remind myself to be pleased anyway. Did you know what the winning time was? Were there any star runners there? Yeah, yeah I didn't recognize any names, but the guy who won was 15.33. Okay. Um, second was 15.34, I think. So they obviously had a bit of a sprint. Yeah. Um, it was a nice group of 16s. There was quite a few in the low 17s. So it was, yeah, it was, it was well supported, put it that way. Cool. Uh, were the women and men mixed in together? Yeah, they yeah. were. Yeah, they just mixed in. Totally did it on times. Did and, you get chicks? Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think I did. I don't think oh, I did. Good. I think I beat the uh, the first lady. So no, small sorry. mercies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, well, so uh, yeah, so that must have been nice then to be back into racing after such a long break. Although, of course, you have been doing the uh, Caldicott handicaps, as um, people who listen to this regularly will know. And um, have you had a chance to show off to your fellow Caldicotters on last this Monday? Or no, has there been a Monday no, yet? No, we haven't yet. had a Monday yet, have we? No, and I think I, um, I think that maybe the Monday before the race, I actually had my best time ever on that um, Caldicott handicap. So I managed to dip under twenty minutes, which on that course is um, is pretty tricky to do. So um, I knew I was in reasonable shape, um, and then I think the week before I didn't race it, obviously because I was racing in a few days. But uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure most of them have seen on Strava <laughs> what I did. Right, right. It's funny. You actually, your 5k actually um, motivated me to go out and try a 5k yesterday, um, but that went a bit wrong because uh, although I was I was on for a 17:45 actually, if I'd have finished it, but I got to 4.58k and dropped my car key, or rather my car key came apart, and I sort of took a couple of seconds to process that. And decided, no, I better stop and look for it. And I never found it. And I had to get a tow truck to tow me home in the end. So, oh, so I, no, I lost my whole morning there. But it was 4.58k at 3.33. So I'm, I'm claiming I'm not as fast as you. But then you're a couple of years younger than me, aren't you? Uh, I am, yeah. You, sh- you should have come to Snetterton then. It would have been a good race. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you'd have, you'd have smashed me there. But uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm now over the big five zero, But you're over the four zero, aren't you? Are we allowed to yeah, say that? Yeah, exactly. For, 42. So 42 I am. Um, I feel old, but um, I think it, it's just one of those things. It's the last few years, it's trying to get your comparison right. And, you know, I can't compare myself to a 20-year-old a anymore. It's just um, not a fair comparison. So there's, there's a nice group of uh, vets that we can uh, compare ourselves to now, which is good. It's not a fair one unless you beat them, in which case it's exactly the thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Then, then I'm all over it and exactly. making a massive point of it, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and just before we started recording, you told me that you've been running 28 years. Is that right? So you must have started young. Tell us about um, how you got into running, first of all, and how that came about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I was probably 13 or 14. Um, my I was born in Cambridge and my... Mum and Dad moved up to sort of Yorkshire when I was uh, for secondary school age anyway, and I played a lot of tennis. My my mum was sporty. She did a lot of swimming, a lot of tennis. She played hockey. Um, so I, I played a bit of tennis to a, a reasonable standard. And then I just remember one day thinking, yeah, maybe I should probably commit to one of these sports. And, and I did enjoy running. So um, the classic story, my, my mum took my sister down to... Costello Stadium, which is the track in Hull, um, in in Humberside, as it was called then. Um, And my sister went to a, I don't know, I think it was Hull Spring at Harriers. She joined a track um, training club. uh, And I I just went along. I thought, well, if she's doing it, I'll I'll do it. Um, So I went along. I actually started doing high jump when I first Mm. joined. Um, And then I got onto the track, did a bit of running. uh, And I always remember the first... Kind of league races we did. I was having to run from the high jump to the start of the eight hundred meters, and I sometimes I'd miss it, sometimes I'd get there. So there was there was a bit of, 
there was a bit of panic on the streets of Humberside there then. So the that, panic on the streets of that, Humberside, that, yeah, that, exactly. That's a Smith's reference for the, any listener who doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get that one in. But, um, yeah. Sorry, so couldn't no, resist I'll, it. Okay, I'll, I'll kind of kick up. Yeah, I'll commit to running. And, yeah. Um, joined, a, joined a nice little group. It was definitely a, a middle distance group. And, um, yeah, just, just got into kind of middle distance running. And there was a league called the McDonald's League, <laughs> which very bizarre that Ronald McDonald would sponsor a, um, a running league in the, in the north. Yeah, I'd have boycotted that. that. <laughs> yeah, but that was the one I did. And um, that kind of got me into it, really. So it's uh, it's funny, isn't it, looking back how small things come together to, to get you into it. Yeah. So um, did you make friends there? How, was it a, something you looked forward to each week, going down there and training and doing your, was it presumably it was mostly 800 you were doing at that state age, was it? Yeah, exactly. So there was a, a group of us. There was four boys about my age. Um, one of their dads was the coach, and, and he trained us. And they all went to different schools to me, so it was quite nice to make friends with people outside of your school. Um, but mm. Rob, the coach, he, he was great. He um, you know put the sessions together, really paid attention to, to what we were doing. Um, we went to some indoor races. I always mm. remember... He took us to Birmingham to the National Indoor Arena. Um, and if you've never run indoors, it, it is an experience mm. because, um, you know, you've got the boards rattling, you've got the sound echoing around you, you've got, you know, your, your mouth goes dry because you're inside. Um, there's a kind of tiny little cool-up, um, uh, warm-up area that you've got, and it's almost in a gym. Mm. And, then, and then I think there was a lift to mm. the track level so you've got to pile in with all your competitors into a lift. Um, it's quite intimidating. And then and then you sit in a tiny little area on the side of the track waiting to be called. Um, and I remember these guys hammering around in the 800 heat ahead of me, kind of doing you know under two minutes. And I was thinking, wow, that's impressive. I, I want to do that one day. Mm. Um, and that was the thing that really got me motivated to try and, try and, you know, some kind of target with the 800 because... I was, you know, running 230, then 215, then 29, then 25, then 22, and then mm-hmm. eventually you think, oh, maybe I could have a crack at going under under two minutes. But that was that was the thing that really uh, drove me on seeing these guys in uh, in Birmingham run run those times. Excellent. Yeah. So, did you enjoy the indoor? Then did you just was that just a couple of occasions, or did you carry on with that for a few years? Yeah, I did a few. Um, we probably, I think it was about February, maybe January, February, you could kind of do a really early season track race. And it was just a really good sharpener for, mm. for the outside season because one, you're inside, so you're out of the you know, really freezing cold. And, um, you know, it would show you where you were. And I quite often do a 400 because you needed four speed to run a, a decent 800. And indoors was the perfect place to do that. So I, I probably did four or five years of doing quite consistently a January and a February Birmingham Open in, in the indoor arena. So, but I, I loved it. Some people don't enjoy it at all, but I, I, I quite liked it. Yeah. It must be quite hard to prepare for that in, in the winter months because even on the outdoor track, it's not great at that time, is it? And you certainly wouldn't have had access to the indoor for your training, I'm guessing. So what was, how did you sort of prepare for those tight bends and the crazy speed that you needed or didn't you? You just left it to the race. You, you couldn't, you couldn't. There was nothing you could do. I no mean, warm weather camps. 
<laughs> no, unfortunately not. Um, no, I've been to I've been to Cyprus a few times, warm weather training, but uh, that was that was nothing to do with it. So um, you just had to to get used to it, and it was really banked corners. I yeah. mean, people forget how banked it is. If you're in lane eight and you're trying to do a, a crouch start for a 400 meters, mm. um, you, <laughs> you feel like you're going to topple over. It's it's horrible, <laughs> but. Um, you do six of them and you get used to it, I suppose. But that, yeah, there was no prep beyond that. Right. So when when did you finally break the two minutes? I'm guessing that was outdoor. You did that. Yeah, outdoors. So I'm think I don't know exactly, but I'm thinking this is late nineties. This is probably ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, I distinctly remember it. I think I'd won. Three county champs, 800s on the trot, so 95, 96, 97. So was that Yorkshire? Um, well, that was Humberside, oh, okay. so that was when Humberside existed. I was going to say, because York, um, Yorkshire county champs is, is worth a lot, isn't it? We'll, 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 say, we'll say Yorkshire then. Yeah, definitely, definitely, impressive. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, just Humberside, but um, yeah, I think there was, there was a track... Um, was a track in Scunthorpe of all places and it had a cycling a, a concrete cycling velodrome around it and you had to slide down this velodrome to get to the bottom of the track hmm. um and, but once you're in the middle of it you were kind of sheltered it felt yeah. felt a little bit special and I remember crossing the line and Brian who was on timekeeping duties he showed me the watch and he was like 159 and I just I couldn't believe it because yeah. I'd been trying to do it for so long and I've done two zero zero zero, you know, two zero 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 about um, I don't know, three or four times in a row and then eventually you, you crack it and yeah. just gives you a bit of belief that you can you can do a bit more than that. So uh, but I always remember that and that was you know, that was over twenty years ago. So So was that in your university days or No, just before that, I yeah. think, just before. So I went off to uni in ninety seven. Um, so it was there there or thereabouts, I think. Um, it all gets a bit hazy, doesn't it, ben, yeah, when it gets yeah. to this age? <laughs> Excellent. But you were, um, where were you at uni then? I went to Stoke-on-Trent, okay. or Smoke-on-Stench, smoke as it's sometimes referred to. <laughs> um, but yeah. Staff Uni, Staffordshire Uni, it was, and it was good. Um, I actually fluked it, and I just picked a year when the athletics team was absolutely flying. I mean, we were yeah. we were competing against um, Loughborough and sometimes beating Loughborough in, in cross countries and things. Um, mm. Nothing to do with me, I might add. It was the, the, the team that I just happened to, to get into. Um, but yeah, we did some good cross countries. We did all the Busa, um University Challenges as well. Um, and there's always an amusing story that sticks in my mind of doing the indoor Boosas in Cardiff. So yeah. again, an indoor... 400 meter race I think I did and I, I was a bit out of my depth I went down did a 400 this was Saturday I didn't qualify for the final so I thought oh I know I'll meet up with some friends we'll go out in Cardiff on Saturday <laughs> night I went out got a little bit too drunk got thrown out of the nightclub <laughs> and I couldn't remember for the life of me where my hotel was I mean this was ahead of mobile phones this was ahead yeah. of you know calling your mate to say where are you and I just couldn't remember where I was staying in Cardiff so I had to go and stay back with my friend who was from a, a different school different university I had to sleep on his floor and then in the morning I still couldn't remember where my hotel was because there was no, there was no way of finding out <laughs> um, 
So I had to just get in a taxi and ask him to drive around some local hotels in Cardiff. And then eventually <laughs> I um, spotted the one that looked you know, similar to the one I was staying at. And um, luckily that was back at my hotel. And then I, I went to watch the final, the 400 metre final on Sunday. And all my teammates were winding me up. They said, oh, Morley, by the way you've actually made it into the final. And by this point, I was green, I was hungover, I, I didn't look good. Um, and they thought it was amusing to uh, to tell me I was in the final, but luckily I wasn't. So face, face save. <laughs> I should have entered you in the 800 instead. <laughs> I know, yeah. I think even even the times I was running, I was uh, not quite making the team, so it didn't happen. <laughs> and how important was running to you at that time, would you say? It was everything, really. Um, you don't think it at the time when you, you're kind of in the midst of it, but honestly, it was everything. It was um, all I thought about. It was everything I focused on. Um, it gave me some good discipline. I did it purely for competition. I did it purely for, for trying to win and, and trying to better myself. There was no real other reason I did it, and mm. I think without it, I think I probably would have drifted a bit Um yeah, you'd, you know, have started well, getting, you'd have probably started getting kicked out of nightclubs and stuff, wouldn't you? I know, that's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> you can see the running save me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, well, without, without sounding too dramatic, it was, it was the only thing, pretty much, that I was, um, I was into. So I think it right. just gives you a bit of focus, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And has that a degree of importance sort of waxed and waned over the years or has it always been a real important thing since you started obviously yeah strange I think I had it I probably kept hold of that feeling for 10 years um Mm. I had a year in 2004 when everything just came came right and I actually um I think that's when I broke my PB I think I ran 158.8 um there was a southern men's league was in Brighton I actually traveled down with Ian Williamson, who I know has been on your uh, your podcast. So by this time, are you, are you uh, 2004, are you back at Cambridge then now? Sorry, yeah, so oh. I've jumped ahead. But no, no, uh, no. yeah, so I finished uni, came back to Cambridge, um, got a job in, in Royston and just came back, came back to the area. So um, yeah, I joined CNC in about 2000, I think maybe 2001. Right. Um, but yeah, so then I had probably... I don't know, six or seven years when I was kind of that feeling of running was still with me and I still wanted to do it. Um, but yeah, eventually, just, I don't know, just the training, just pounding the track, pounding mm. those hard, hard sessions, it just just takes its toll. I mean, 10 years of doing that is going to be enough for anyone. So I, I did start to question it, but um, it was still it was still there. You've still got to want to do it, haven't you? Yeah. And w- were you focusing always on the 800 or did you vary things a bit? Yeah, I didn't really vary. I think, um, I don't know why, I think just naturally. I was just naturally uh, enjoyed or seemed to be better at, at um, 800. So I would do a few 400s. You needed to be relatively quick at four. Um, 1500, I, I just, I mean, I hadn't done the training, but hmm. I just hated it. It was just, it was just too far. For an 800 metre runner, a pure 800 metre runner, hmm. doing three and three quarter laps just seemed like the back of beyond so um, I used to steer clear of those if I could then but obviously I'd get dragged into them occasionally Excellent. and how did you find the atmosphere at CNC in those days because it's very different to how it is now and uh, were, you, were you doing regular track sessions hill sessions with the club or were you doing more stuff on your own what was the 
the Cambridge scene like for you in those early 2000s? Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, I, I've come back to the club recently and it's changed beyond all recognition. Mm. I mean, the, um, you know, the level has just gone up massively. But um, to be fair, I, I joined a good group. There was Mike Smith, who was mm -hmm. my coach. And, OK, he had his faults, but, but for me, he, he was really good. And we'd do Monday, Tuesday... Um, Thursday, pretty much at the track. Mm. Um, I heard you talking about Netherhall School, actually, and we, we used to do that. Do you remember on, that? Yeah. Um, on a Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I probably saw you there then. Yeah. Yeah. So we did Netherhall on a on a Monday, and then the track on a, a Tuesday and Thursday. And it was funny because for an eight hundred meter runner, you, we did everything. We had you know sessions that were six by one fifty hmm. reps, which is ridiculously short. You know, really, really long recoveries. Um, and then in the winter, we were doing six by one mile off hmm. pretty short recoveries. We were doing 10 400s, 12 400s, um, six 600s. And then in the summer, you'd do, I mean, sometimes you do three 300s as fast as you could, you know, with a lot of recovery. Hmm. Um, but, but you kind of needed it. You needed a bit of speed. You needed endurance. So the, the, the training was just, um, yeah, very, very uh, polarized, put it that way. Yeah, if you if you were training for eight hundred again now, would you include those sort of sessions with the massive recovery and the real short stuff? I would, um, but I think it suited me. I would definitely go down the um, Mark Vile school of thought, which is you know lots of reps, very short recoveries, which we did do. But I don't think we did them consistently. Um, I, I would definitely do a little bit more of that, but but for me. I think if I was going to run a fast time, I, I, it was almost confidence. I needed to know that I could run 300 at a certain speed. I needed to run 400 at a certain speed. So mm. it was a confidence thing. Um, mm. So I'd still do them, but I'd do more of the high-volume, short-recovery stuff, definitely. Yeah, I think it's always the case, whatever distance you're training for, that if you can teach yourself to run faster for a shorter distance, then level of intensity that you need for your race doesn't feel quite as daunting does it so if you can do a 300 at a pace which is significantly faster than your 800 then at least you know that you're going to go past that in a degree of comfort that, that you can cope with that was exactly it exactly it um so i think you know I, I think looking back you always think oh i should have done this shouldn't have done that but i don't think in hindsight i would have changed anything too much and mm. um you know it wasn't completely wrong it, it seemed to work for me so um yeah obviously gone the other way now with endurance but it's uh, yeah it was good it was good times yeah so before we move on that to that the new era as it were then any other highlights from your 800 another track career that you want to tell us about any anecdotes from there any anyone you want to poke fun at anyone who fell over <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not nothing too exciting. Although, did you ever I get had, disqualified? Um, do you know what? I don't think I did. Yeah, I don't think I did. Um, no, I think the yeah. I mean, my PB for for the eight that was pretty good. I remember running, I don't know, one fifty nine something in Oxford, and I was racing against a huge guy. He must have been six foot five. Hmm. He was a German triathlete, hmm. and. I was, I was trying to kick away from him with 200 to go and I was kicking and, and, and he was still there mm -hmm. and I think I think he beat me in the end by by a whisker but 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one race that sticks in my mind just because it was sub two, and he was—he just looked like one of those people that couldn't run but was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so I remember even in those days you did because I remember seeing your name and actually I think running in the same race as you a few frostbites is that correct so you, you did do the odd five mile venture i did i did so that was I, I was still in that mode of you know classic kind of track season the summer i don't know april may june july maybe august um and then you know some endurance we should do over the uh, over the winter so yeah I, I did all the frostbites as many as i could um i didn't do every single one but i did all the ones that i could and as you can imagine from what I've just said, five miles seemed like a, an absolute bloody nightmare. So um, occasionally it would come together and I'd run a decent race. But um, all of the time then I was behind you, I seem to distinctly remember. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, we were young then, we were young. Anyway, so, yeah, let's not dwell on that. So you moved, um, you, you moved away from the track then and perhaps with your your love of running diminished a little bit then after those sort of years of 2004-2005 did it how did your relationship with running change at that point yeah it became a bit of a chore really it became something that I did and I felt like I should do and I suppose you don't really think am I actually enjoying this you just kind of go down to the track get into your routine you do your you know your three track sessions you do your running in between um, and it's just what you do and, mm. and you never really stop to think why am I doing this and I had a few years like that but I didn't really know what else to do it was just it just becomes part of you so I just two or three years I probably just got into a routine of, of, of just doing what I knew I would do and then one day in Cambridge on a training session I just thought I really I don't want to be here I, I just do not want to be here I've you know you sacrifice a lot, you know, it's a pretty lonely life, you don't have many friends, you don't mm. go out much, you know, you're not, you're not drinking, so I was thinking, well, what the hell am I doing? And, and then my wife was pregnant in 2012, I think with our, um, our, our eldest, and I thought, I cannot turn around and say, oh, by the way, you know, we're going to have kids, can you look after them all the time? I'm, I'm going to be out all Saturday at a Southern Men's League or I'm, I'm going to be training for three hours. You know, you, you look after the kids, you'll be fine. Um, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So um, I'm a little bit kind of, if you're going to do something, do it properly. And I, I thought the same with the kids. If we're going to have kids, I, I want to be a part of that. And um, my eldest was born 2013 and I thought, you know what, now's just a perfect time to take a bit of a step back. And um, and I did. I resigned from cnc not because i was throwing the towel in i just what's the point in paying for a membership if you're not going to use it Mm. and um just took the opportunity to take stock take a bit of time out and i really didn't do anything um i just you know we had the kids and i had some time back you know enjoyed some stuff that i'd never have done before um and and, you know go out for meals not think about stuff and and you forget when when you're in the thick of it you just forget and then as soon as somebody takes away the running side, you think, oh, hang on a minute, I've got, I've got some free time. Yeah, yeah, well, so I... It was, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, it was interesting. I wasn't as... Uh, as good as you in the sense that I, I kept going the whole time all through having um, my children and so on and uh, I was 
doing triathlon, so it's probably taking a lot more time. But on the odd occasion where you get injured, you suddenly realise there's all this time in the day <laughs> that goes because obviously it's not just the training time, it's the preparing and the thinking time and the changing and the washing and all the rest of it that goes with it, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I, I did the same. I was thinking, what what does a normal person do on a weekend when you're not training or racing? And it took me a while to figure out what that was. And it didn't last for too long, but it was it was quite nice while it was there because, like you say, you just you know it was twenty years of my life, and to suddenly turn it off, um, you know, it was almost like a bit of a grieving process when I first kind of mm. stopped. I was. You know, you forget the adrenaline high. You forget the kind of you know, geeing yourself up for competitions, and to just turn that off, it was it, it was tricky. It was yeah. it was hard. I think a lot of us are addicted to running or cycling, whatever it might be, and I definitely count myself amongst those. Would you say to somebody who's maybe losing that um, all-encompassing desire to compete, would you say that the healthy thing to do is to take a complete break in most cases? Yeah, I would, because I think it gives you time to, to think. It gives you perspective on you know what you did have versus when, when you were you know not running when, and when you were running. Um, and I think without that, you can't appreciate it and, until you take it away. And I mean, I do it now. I, I still like competing and I still want to do my best and, and that's kind of why I do it. But far more than that, it's just nice to be outside um, I can actually look up look at the fields look at the scenery which I would absolutely never ever do before because mm. I'd be flat out 100% you know head down not enjoying it what's my time checking my watch you know every five seconds um, and now you can get out look around it's, it's a nice part of the world that we live um, the mental health side of it is, is it's enormous um, and I actually enjoy it now and um I think I wouldn't have had that. If I if I hadn't stopped for three or four years, I would never have come to that realisation. So I, I would say it's a hard thing to prescribe to somebody, mm. but yeah, stop. <laughs> take take stock of what you're doing. But it's it's not easy. Yeah, perhaps stop until until you have thought it through carefully and then you genuinely feel a deep desire to want to come back and then when you do come back like you did um was that a gradual thing or did you dive straight back in into thinking all oh, right there's a 5k in six weeks let's see what i can do it was pretty gradual so i think 2018 maybe 2019 when i'd had four or five years of not really running much i think i entered the camborne 10k hmm. and I, I didn't really train for it i just thought i'll, I'll go and see what i can do for a 10k I kind of got around and seven minute miling and 42 minutes was really, really hard work. And I thought, yeah. okay, well, that's fair enough. Um, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And I Benchmark. entered one more. I think I entered Childerly, um, the Childerly 10K. And again, I, I ran a little bit better. I had 41 something. It wasn't amazing. Felt horrendous. But I bumped into our friend, Mr. Pritchard. So yeah. Al Pritchard. And I remembered him from, from CNC and we just got talking and he said, oh, you should come down to this Caldicott thing that we do, the, the handicap. It's, it's really good fun. So I thought, okay, I, I will. Um, and that was the thing. I wouldn't say this to Al because uh, it, his head will swell up, but he was the guy that motivated me, almost <laughs> inspired me to get back into it. Because we, we, don't, we don't want his bald head swelling up. I know, I know. <laughs> so obviously we'll just edit this bit out so he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> 
Um, but no, I, I thought, you know what, he's got kids, he's a bit older than me, he's running really, really quick times. Um, if he can do it, why, why can't I? So I just decided to take it a bit more seriously and yeah. um, just gradually up some miles. Um, I bumped into a guy, I don't know if you know Darren Preston, um, but he's I know a really, of him. Really, yeah. Is he hunting dinner or somewhere? Yeah, hunts AC. He lives in Bourne. Oh, right. And so his kids go to the same school as my kids. And I kind of looked at him as well and I thought, well, here, here's another good comparison. He's a bit older than me. Again, he's got kids. Oh, maybe people can run <laughs> after they've got children. Let's give it a go. And um, that was the catalyst, really. So it's, it, it, it's funny what, what sparks you back into it. Yeah. And um, with that then came your first races, as you said, you did those, those 10Ks and did that make you want to race more then? Yeah, it did. Because then I was thinking, hang on, how, how can I run under 40 minutes for 10K? And then I thought, well, I, I need to be running a decent 5K. And then, you know, you go along to a few park runs and um, I started trying to get under 20 minutes for a park run. Um, I think I ran... 19.20 at the Milton Park run. I thought, okay, that's that's a bit better. Um, I did 18.59 at <laughs> Bedford. I went with went with Darren to, to Bedford. Yeah. Um, and then turned up to the famous Great Denham, which um, oh. is obviously flat. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I ran 18.30, then 18.08. Uh, and, then, and then lockdown kind of hit. So um, mm. I was just sort of getting back into it, running some decent times. Um, and then, and then we all know what lockdown, what lockdown did. But that was that was really what uh, spurred me on. And, and have you found that your eight hundred speed, not necessarily your eight hundred speed, but the ability to turn your legs over fast and to have that top end has remained in you? Let's say, has it been something you've been able to dig up from the past fairly easily, or has it taken a lot of work to get that kick back that you had? I mean, maybe obviously it's yeah. not quite what it was, but. I know from talking to Alan and others that you, you've still got some speed that we certainly haven't got. So um, has that stayed there or have you rekindled it using some training methods? It's still in there, Ben. You'll be mm. pleased to know it's still lurking somewhere in those legs. But yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything to... I didn't do any speed work. I didn't do anything mm. to rekindle it. I think it was just a fairly natural you know muscle fiber makeup or yeah. whatever it is part of my dna there's there's something in there um but just lots of running and, and lots of miles seem to you know kick it and i can still run a half decent 800 although nowhere near obviously what i used to but um yeah i at the end of a race i can still sprint put it that way yeah so how, how would you describe your relationship with running now then has it sort of is it somewhere between the the relaxed not caring just doing it to look at the scenery and the all-encompassing obsession that you had in your late teens or, or is it veering more towards one or the other I'd, yeah i think we've got a happy balance um i need to make sure i don't uh, go too far off the other end of the scale and go back to where i was but I, I don't think i will i think i'm right back in the middle of i enjoy the training um i enjoy being out the house and having a bit of time for for myself and um, you know what it's like when you've got kids, it is all-encompassing and just having an hour out to clear your head is, is massive. So mm. I don't think I'll ever lose that and um, just need to kind of keep it in perspective. And, and actually having kids does put it in perspective mm -hmm. because, you know, do they give a shit if daddy wins a park run? No. <laughs> um, they, they, they don't really mind 
what times I run. They just, mm. you know, I get home sometimes and they say, where's, where's my snack and where's my drink? And you're thinking, I've just done an amazing session. Do you not want to hear about it? Mm. Um, and they, they just don't. They, it just brings you back down to earth. So I think that, that will always give it a bit of perspective. Um, you, you must have felt the same. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, my, my best days are when mine were very young and now I've got another a five-year-old now and uh, he's still a bit too young to understand and I'm, I'm not winning, any, winning anything anymore anyway. <laughs> but uh, is, is, there any, is there any negative side to the running now? Is there anything you find stressful about the running? Do you, do you find sessions that are demanding stressful? Do you worry about them in advance or is it all just enjoyment now? No, it's not all just enjoyment, unfortunately. I, I wish I had that uh, mentality, mm. but um, I'll still get worried. So Monday night, if I know I'm going to run hard at the Caldicott mm. Handicap, which is the, you know, it's fantastic fun, don't get me wrong, but it's the, you know, most <laughs> under-pressured race you could possibly think of. And I'll, I'll still have a build-up to that and get worried and think, oh, mm. you know, what if I don't run this time? What, what, what will people think of me? And then you're kind of having a chat with yourself saying, no, come on get yourself together it really doesn't matter hmm. um or, or you think i've got a race coming up i must run well what will people think mm-hmm. but I, I'm, I'm a little better at bringing that to, to kind of back to myself so so you do um, care about what others think as well as what you think yourself do you yeah i do i wish i didn't but i do hmm. um mostly it's myself I, I i want to prove it to myself that's that's why you do it um, yeah. But I said to somebody today, you, you just don't want to look silly, do you? You don't want to turn up to, to a race and look silly. I, I think that's that's the overriding factor sometimes. Yeah, and you, and you want people to know when you run well. I mean, I did that run yesterday. That was, I thought it was fairly decent. I think it got less kudos on Strava than like going at nine-minute miling with Julia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not like we've got um, 10 million viewers, is it, watching this? No, exactly, exactly. But um, it's it's been an education though, going from from kind of track to endurance because yeah, I don't know. It's just hard to to explain to somebody. But my on my track days, my yardstick and comparison was for you know how quickly could you do a four hundred meter rep? So yeah. we were talking, you know, sixty seconds is your you know two minute marker, and, yeah. and that was the thing, you know, sixty seconds or quicker. Yeah, and then. You know, miles per minute just didn't mean anything to me. It really didn't mean a thing because minutes per mile. Theory, I was running minutes per mile. Yeah, it just it was just alien. I, I just didn't understand it. And somebody would talk about running five thirty minute miling, and I was thinking, well, yeah. that's stupid because I can run a four minute miling in theory. So yeah. you know, five thirty isn't isn't anything special. And you know, I was doing one hundred and fifty meter reps, and now people are doing you know 14 mile runs so yeah. um, tr- trying to get your head around that was 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 difficult and for me thinking well you know a long run at eight minute miling that's a waste of time but actually it isn't um i just come from this completely other world of um all quality all speed so it, it's taken me a while to get used to training every day doing reasonably long mileage um but, but you can see it's just totally different. I mean, you just couldn't get more chalk and cheese. So I, mm. I found it fascinating. Yeah. And are you, uh, I mean, you're only you're only early 40s, so you're not in as in need of it as maybe some others, but are you um, complementing your training with any strength work, flexibility work? Do you, believe, you said you do some mad stretching, did you say? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I shouldn't bill it as anything too special, but um, yeah, just just for my track days, we would you know we'd do an hour of warming up. Sometimes we'd do drills and stretches and strides, yeah. and I suppose I kept that with me for for a little bit. So I do a lot of stretching, but I don't I don't do any strength work. I don't do any anything special. I know I should, and as I get older, I, I should probably do a lot more of that. But I'll yeah. I'll use the card. I haven't got time then. <laughs> Well, we're, we're all different, you know. Some of us need it, some of us don't, you know. Everyone, if it's working for you without, then, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix, don't try and fix it, you know. But do you, do you still have a routine before any race of stretching and some strides, do you? Even whatever the distance, you'll do that, I would guess. Yeah, definitely, even before a training session. So yeah. I did a session today and um, I'm still doing strides, I'm still doing stretches, do a bit of hip mobility mm-hmm. um we've all got our little quirks that we have to do before a race and um yeah i think I'm, i think i might explode if i didn't do some of those things Ben. yeah yeah you sort of open yourself up don't you have you um ever turned up to a race like a park run and without time for a warm-up and had to go straight into it not quite that extreme um it's funny actually because that PB I was talking about in Brighton was probably the closest I came to, oh, to not go. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I should have learned from that. Um, yeah. How many years ago that was? But uh, yeah, it was it was Ian Williamson's fault. He was late. Oh, yeah. He was driving. I turned up to the track. I was still doing my laces up as they were sort of calling them to the track, um, and I didn't have time to think and worry, and I just went for it. So there you go. Yeah. Maybe that's my lesson. That's it. I mean, there is the theory that, you know, you don't want to be too elastic in distance running because it's all about, you know, you're bouncing off the concrete and if you're sort of supple, then you'll sort of absorb and get pushed off and that takes longer than just two hard surfaces. You know, a tennis ball bounces off quicker than a soft rubber ball, doesn't it? You know, you want to be a hard yeah, ball, absolutely. not a soft ball. So we can, we can argue it either way. <laughs> I think it's, as, you know, it's an individual <laughs> thing, isn't it? And any other tips? Oh, yeah. then? Any other tips for forty plus um, individuals who uh, who may be considering following in your footsteps and coming into a second wave of running? Let's say. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I, I read a, a really interesting book. I can't remember for the life of me who it was by, but it was a. Um, something around the 80-20 rule of, of running, which yeah, seems to so... be particularly relevant for, um, for for older runners. And basically the rule talks about 80% of your training being pretty easy, you know, pretty steady, quite slow running and, and do quite a bit of volume. And then as long as 20% of it is quality and, and the speed that you need to do, mm. um, that should stand you in, in good stead. And I kind of stuck to my guns with that and I have followed it and, it's just allowed me to do the volume that I think you need to do without kind of killing myself. Because, you know, if I do a long run now, or if I do a track session, I am out of it for, for a week. You know, mm. it's, um, you know, if I go and do six, six hundreds or five, one Ks, and then I kind of try and do something again in two days, it's just not happening. So I have to leave a week between it. Um, so, so this 80, 20 has been, um, mm. been my kind of Bible really. And, I think a lot, a lot. Sorry, a lot of people misunderstand that. I mean, that eighty twenty thing when it was first mooted by a guy called Stephen Siler. I think the people thought, oh, it means eighty percent of the time that I run should be easy and twenty percent should be fast. But it was actually, in terms of sessions, it wasn't time. Or in fact, it was days. So they'd have, you know, four easy days to to one hard day, as it were, or, or sessions at least. 
So uh, trying to do, if you're running a 100 miles a week, it doesn't mean that, um, what would it be? Help me out here, that 20 miles of those should be run really fast. You know, that would, that would be too much. Um, That's exactly it. The book, exactly you, the book you're talking about, I wonder if that was peak performance. There was a book called, that was, a, that was talking about that. And uh, anyway, maybe there are some good books uh, around there, aren't there? <laughs> I'm sure people yeah, can... No. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, though. I'm, I was kind of working on the basis of six days. Let's say I was training six days a week. Um, yeah. Give myself a day off, six days a week. So at least, you know, four of those runs can be fairly steady long runs. And then yeah. two can be either a tempo or, or a track session. And, and that's just kind of what I've stuck to. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you've been able to be relatively injury free, have you, in these recent times? Yeah. No, no, I yeah. seem to... I was always, when I was running before, was relatively robust, never had any horrendous injuries. I think i pretty good at spotting the signs and stopping or resting or stretching or whatever it is. Um, but I haven't done anything serious to myself apart from silly things. So yeah. at the moment, my shoulder's knackered because I've tried to uh, take the shed down and do some DIY, but that's nothing, nothing running related. <laughs> That's a common story. It's a common story. Uh, my last injury was trying to do silly weights, you know, even after I'd advised against it on a podcast. But anyway, and uh, yeah, don't do as I do, do as I say. Um, yeah, brilliant. Okay, right. Anything else you want to tell us about, John, before I hit you with the, the predictable last couple of questions? That you the know the only thing I'll mention is just uh, a little bit more on the kids. Because, oh, yeah, yeah, um, go for it. Yeah, well, that's the thing I've found tough is, kind of coming back when you've got um i've got you know an eight-year-old and a four-year-old mm. and my youngest just did not sleep he, he did not sleep very well for three years probably and i was trying to make a comeback and countless times i'd turn up to the caldecott handicap having had you know four hours sleep and feeling horrendous or you're trying to recover from 12 400s and you know he comes running through at two o'clock in the morning and mm -hmm. then four o'clock in the morning and then he's up at six and you're just kind of thinking this <laughs> this is not conducive to uh, to my running career well <laughs> get out of my room um but of course you just learn to kind of live with it a little mm -hmm. bit and um you know park runs were quite good for me because nine o'clock in the morning feels like it's late mm -hmm. um so I'm, I'm kind of ready for it but I think people have kids and it's a perfectly natural thing to do, but I think people forget and underestimate how hard it can be sometimes with the lack of sleep and, you know, you've got to entertain them in the day and it's, mm. it's just tough. I mean, if I wasn't running, I probably wouldn't be mentioning this, but from a recovery point of view, lack of sleep point of view, it's um, it was an education, put it that way, but well, we got through it and you, and you adjust and I'm sure you did the same, but yeah. um, it just takes takes a while to get used to it, doesn't it? Yeah, and during this sort of last year, have you been um, having kids at home and working from home, or have you been out to work? What's your situation been with that? Yeah, so when they were off school, so I, I run my own business and I kind of work from home anyway. So um, we just tag teamed. You know, my wife was taking holiday, and then I'd take holiday, and we were just kind of going between us. So it wasn't we weren't in the worst situation in the world, but um, again, it wasn't exactly. Uh, wall-to-wall -wall free time for for running so obviously one of us had to <laughs> one of us had to have them and um try and try and teach them something useful at school so yeah pe obviously yeah anyway it won't be long perhaps before they're accompanying you on some easy runs you never know i know i need to need to get them into it maybe maybe it won't be too far off i think i think they show promise so we'll see 
Nice one, nice one. Right then, here comes the, the question. Well, let's do it the other way around with you. Food first, as I'm feeling hungry now. What's your uh, favourite athletic fuel? There's, there's two questions here, isn't there? There's, there's kind of what you would like to eat and then what you think you should eat as an athlete. Yeah. So um, what I would like to eat is a curry from the Lalbach in Bourne. Oh, yeah. who do a very mean Dakshawi lamb, I think it's called, which is absolutely amazing. Um, but for the sake of a healthy food, I think salmon, salmon, broccoli and rice. You can't go far wrong with that. Right, would that be a sort of night before a race meal or a lunch before an evening race as well? I, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, night before, maybe lunch before, most likely night before, salmon, broccoli and rice. It's, it's just got everything, hasn't it? Good stuff, good stuff. So, now then, do we want a session? If you've got the choice, are you going to go for a, a long, easy run with, uh, with Alan or are you going to do a cool handicap or are you going to do a monster track session? What's your favourite run if you have to pick a favorite session what are you going to go for oh still a monster track session i think um we used to do a session that it was a pyramid session it was probably my favorite so it was four 100 meters two 200 meters uh one one and one 400 meters and then back down two twos four ones Mm. um and i used to love it it was it was eight you know quicker than 800 meter pace Everybody else would mess it up completely, do the ones and the twos too quickly, and then I'd come glory past them, storming past them on the 400, um, and then, you know, chaos would consume again on the 200 and the 100, but I I just liked it, and I still like a pyramid session, so there you go. Yeah, I, I what I hate is the, the reverse, the Ws or the, or the V sessions, where you start with a long and and finish with a long. I much prefer it when you when you can decrease on the last part. Yeah, CNC did a W session about two weeks ago, and yeah. I absolutely hated it. I think it finished on an eight hundred meter rep, and I was just yeah, yeah I was not happy. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Right, so we're on a Sunday, and uh, you told me you actually did a session today. So you eschewed the tradition of the long Sunday and actually did a, a speed session today, did you? Yeah, I did. Um, what prompted that? Because well, there's a there's a three k race at the um, I think it's Cambridge University are hosting it, and C and C members are invited. But yeah, I'm doing a three k on Wednesday, so I thought I'd better get in something kind of speedy. Um, I didn't think a ten mile run would do me much good on the, on the Sunday before. So yeah, we did some uh, five hundred meter reps, six five hundreds nice. at the Campbell Business Park. So <laughs> all good. Nice one. And um, obviously you're a member of CNC again now. Is there um, anyone you want to give a shout out to there or anyone who's who you follow or you're inspired by or like to beat or any anyone you want to mention? I, I think I've uh, I think I've mentioned uh, the, the two most important people. So um, the only thing I'll kind of bring together is a lot of the people that you've had on your podcast. So, yeah. um, I mean, I used to train with... Holly Archer, she was oh, in yeah. our group for a little while. Um, Jonathan Escalante, I would train with him occasionally when he was sort of 13, 14, and he would, hmm. you know, I'd see him at races. Hmm. Um, Ian Williamson, he, he dipped in and out of some of our sessions. So, um, yeah, all, all amazing runners and 
if, if only I could say I could beat them, but I don't think I can. <laughs> Well, you never know. <laughs> Things are going well. You're hitting PBs, you're 42 and you're doing PBs. That's the beauty of switching distance, isn't it? Um, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. That was that was conscious. Do something different. Do something I've never done before. That, that's that's why so many people start doing marathons and then ultra marathons. <laughs> They've got to find something they can win at. I'm, I'm a little way off that, so I, I'm, I've got the luxury. So 5K, 10K... Um, Alan keeps kind of talking and muttering about marathons, but um, I'm not there yet. Definitely no, not there. No, I'm not into that game at the moment. Right, brilliant. Well, it's been lovely talking to you. If um, people want to follow your progress, is Strava the best place, or what do you reckon? Yeah, get on Strava. Um, I never used to believe in it, and I kind of thought um, I'd never download the thing, but now I can't get enough of it. So, yeah, look me up on Strava. More than happy to have a follower. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's John Morley. Um presumably there aren't that many of them. No, maybe I don't know. I think John Morley Cambridge should find it. Yeah. That, that'll do. Brilliant, brilliant. Great stuff, John. Well, thank you ever so much for joining us and good luck on Wednesday and feel please if you feel that way inclined, uh leave me a voice message uh, with a race report on that one if you're I that'll be great. I will do, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's um, yeah, makes a change having a Zoom call where it's not work, and yeah. um, you can actually talk about something that you're interested in. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, your story has resonated with some people who've sort of dipped in and out of running or are finding running particularly enjoyable or particularly stressful at the moment. Because I think there is the whole spectrum there, isn't there? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think it's. Um... I think it's a tonic. I think it's a good medicine. So, um, yeah, if one person gets back into running or takes it up for the first time, then that's that's got to be a good thing, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. Thanks, John. Great talking to you. Thanks for having me, sir. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode there. I certainly did have a real smile on my face through most of that chatting to John Morley there. Uh, Before I disappear, just ask you as usual to rate and review if you can. Spread the word. Let's build this podcast so I can get some great guests. And uh, as I said at the beginning, normal service is resumed after a gap, uh, which is partly due to my having to spend two nights riding very slowly on the bicycle around Cambridge uh, I'll perhaps go into that a bit more uh, in the weeks to come as to why I was doing that some of you might be able to guess uh, and yeah I've got some great guests lined up some haven't confirmed yet but I've got another interview on Wednesday with a professor who is an expert on the relationship between music and athletic performance. So I'm really looking forward to digging into that. I think that would be fascinating. <laughs> Even though most of you probably don't share my music <laughs> Anyway, as I always say, keep enduring. <laughs>